And today I just felt like talking about uh, why, why do people think, I know you probably don't think it, I hope you don't think it, but why is the church so scary? And this is, this is a season where everybody's trying to scare each other, but uh, why, why is the church so scary to people? Why is it so hard to get people to go to church? Why are people are so afraid? Why are churches shutting down all over the place? Why is the church so scary? So there's a lot of talk right now. I drive around. People are putting ghosts in their ha- front of their houses and spending money on stuff, and it's just a season. Everybody's trying to scare each other. And I thought, you know what? There's people scared of church. There are people afraid of church. Do I look scary? Most of y'all don't look scary to me. Most of you. You don't look scary to me. Do we look scary, really? Are you serious? What are people so afraid of? There is nothing better than the church in all the world. Nothing can reproduce what we do here on a weekly basis. Nothing in the world comes close to touching the church. Man, I love the church. There's, there's no racism here. You've got people with multiple financial blessing levels that are joined together. You've got people that just got to America, people that are third, fourth, fifth generations, uh, all, met, all just merged together, worshiping God together. What is it? Why are people afraid of the church? We, we solve right here on a Sunday every social economic problem that the whole world has on a weekly basis because of the Spirit of God. I don't understand why people are afraid of the church. So that's what I felt to talk about today. And, and let me just do a little Bible study today, and then we'll get up here and worship. We'll give. And, and I'm, I'm going to wait to give because one of the things people are scared of is giving money. And they're scared if they go to church, they're going to be asked for money. And, yes, you will be asked for money. But guess what? You don't have to give it. Now, you got to give it when you go to the concert. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just wait a second because I'm not even on that yet. But you got to give it everywhere else you go, but you don't have to give it here. You get free prayer today. Who else will do that for you? The church is all about money. Okay, all right, we'll wait, just wait. So Halloween traces its origins back to people who would dress up as scary monsters. Y'all hearing this, young people? Oh, guess what, young people? I preached to youth probably Friday night, so I'm still cool. I don't care what y'all say, okay? I preached a youth rally Friday night down in the Woodlands, Houston area, and those young people didn't know I was this, this old pastor. They actually thought I was this cool guest preacher. And would you believe all these young teenagers gathered around the front and prayed and, and, and let the Holy Ghost move? And, and so I just want all the young people to know I'm, I'm still relative. I'm still... I'm still somebody young, so I'm not even 40 yet, so you just wait. It gets worse. Um, Halloween's origins come. I kind of like preaching first. You got, you're not tired. This is nice. I might just switch it up, man, just mess up Pentecost completely. <laughs> just mess it all up. Halloween traces back its roots to uh, a time when people didn't know any better, and they would dress up scary during the fall because they were trying to ward off evil spirits for coming to attack their crops. So people literally believed that if they would dress up in the fall during the harvest time, they could scare away evil spirits by being an evil spirit. That's funny. Even Jesus said the devils don't fight each other. No, just church people. But the devils don't fight each other. They don't do that. But this was way back when people didn't know any better, and they would actually 
they would actually dress up and they would have these festivals and they would try to scare off scary things as if you could scare off a scary thing by being a scary thing. But that was their mentality and this was the origins of dressing up at Halloween. And this is the reason why we don't do it. Okay? So that's what all began. They would dress up as demons to scare away the demons. If I can be scarier than the demons, then they won't, they won't fight or attack. So I'll just be real scary and scare them off. People will go in a haunted house. They'll decorate their homes with ghosts. They'll watch horror movies until they're scared of the dark in their own home. What are you doing? You turned on a movie that made you so scared that you had to turn all the lights on at the end? I've been there a couple times. Lord have mercy. I've been scarred by some stuff. I, we was staying at a friend's house when I was young, and they turned on some movie called Aliens. I ain't never seen anything like that in my whole life, and I can't forget it. And then I had to walk that I had to walk back home. I don't even know. I, I just remember being scared. I just it was horrible. And we do that to ourselves. We watch that stuff and we we freak ourselves out and we hear a noise. What was that? It's a refrigerator trying to make ice. That's what that is. Does anybody else have a refrigerator that's demon possessed? I got a refrigerator that's just like out of nowhere, just talking to you. Like, bah, 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 bah. What was that? That's called a refreshing drink. That's what that is. It's not near as scary as you think it is. But we, we do that to ourselves. It's almost like people take pride in their ability to tolerate evil. Let's see how much of a scary movie we can endure tonight. Wow, I finished three of those. I'm special. But, yeah, deep down you're having nightmares and you're afraid because it's like we have this pride, like if I can endure it, then I'm strong. If I can engage with it, then I'm powerful. But you're not. You're scared. You're scared and you're messed up. I saw an interview one time with a young man who uh, just snapped one night, and he, he, he just began to beat his, uh, his brother after watching the marathon of, of movies. Uh, I think it was around Halloween time, and uh, he just snapped one night, and the detectives asked this young man, why did he do it? And he was just like, I just was upset. He ate the last piece of candy. They did research on what he was doing every day. He had a game called Slaughterhouse where he played a Slaughterhouse video game all the time. And they're just, they just can't connect the dots. I wonder why he did it. Maybe he's just having a mental problem. Or maybe it was Slaughterhouse. Maybe it wasn't a mental problem. Maybe he got mental problems. Or maybe he got spiritual problems that made him have mental problems. Yeah. It's like it makes them feel powerful partnering with the very evil that typically destroys life. And I think the reason why Halloween is so celebrated is because it makes people feel powerful knowing they've joined up with evil. Because if I'm on evil's side, evil won't hurt me. I thought it was always so strange, but it's what people do, and people have no problem with it. But people are scared of church. 
They're scared of church. They're not scared of horror movies. They're scared of church. They'll go to a haunted house, but they're scared of the holy house. They're scared of going to church, but they're not afraid of all that stuff. And so I just felt like today we need to take a minute and talk about it. Here's what they say. They say, I'm scared of church because there's hypocrites there. They say, I'm scared of church because it's judgmental. I'm scared of church because there's all these rules. I'm scared of church because they always ask for money. They look at us like we're possessed when we start talking in tongues. And we are kind of, yeah, it's just, it's a good spirit, not a bad spirit. They think we're weird. We, yeah, we're a little weird. We're different. That's for sure. We're strange. We're not of this world anymore. We, we've been born again of the water and the spirit. We've got a new name on us, so we're definitely weird. We're definitely strange. But all the things my possession causes me to do is love you, is pray for my enemies, love people that despitefully use me. That's the kind of possession we need in the world right now. We need to get full of the Holy Ghost. I believe in ghosts. I've got one. I've got one inside of me. It's called the Holy Ghost. Yep. People don't understand that, that we actually celebrate as Christians the anti-Halloween every single day of the year. The difference is we don't partner with just an ordinary ghost. We don't dress up like an ordinary ghost. We partner with the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. Satan is happy to let you keep your harvest as long as you'll compromise your holiness. He'll let you dress up like a devil all day long, and he'll give you your harvest, but he will take your heart. He will be glad to give you the temporary in exchange for the eternal. And the reason why people partner with evil is because evil promises you temporary pleasure for eternal suffering. This is why people aren't afraid of evil, because evil will give you a little bit of blessing right now in exchange for so much torment later. If you think that the church is a scary monster and you're afraid to get around Christians and church, and there's, you've got friends and family that are afraid, maybe you can share this message and you can tell them about it. The church is not scary. That's my theme today. The church is not scary. There is a special weapon anybody can use to access and defeat a scary church. There's a special weapon. There is. If you're out there listening or if you're here today and you're, you're wondering how you can fight back against the scary monster of the church that's so scary, there's a special weapon that you can use and fight back against all of us. Do you know what the weapon is? It's called the Bible. You see, we're kind of weird. You see, here at the church, we say that we do everything the Bible teaches. So we're actually powerless in reference to the Scriptures. If you feel like the church is scary, crazy, or we're getting out there, you can use the Word against us to defeat our craziness. Is that true? Are you submitted to the Bible? I submit to the Bible. The church claims to get all of its ideas from the Bible. We claim to get our beliefs from this book, the Bible. We literally have nowhere to hide because we claim if you want to know what I believe, you just got to go look online today, read about it, and I've got to be what that book says I've got to be. 
you can literally use the Bible against me. I invite you to. If I'm doing something wrong, use the Bible against me. That's just going to force you to study it. Don't think many people want to. Yeah. You know that we can actually be caught cheating you if you look at the Bible. Back when religion used to take advantage of people, you know when that was? Religion used to take advantage of people before they had access to the Bible. But whenever they began to print the Bible and make it accessible to everyone, people would use the Bible against church leadership and say, you're trying to deceive us. You're trying to abuse us. You said you believe the book, but now I'm reading it for myself, and I can read here that you don't line up with the very book that you claim to be your book that gives you your belief systems. This is when the Great Reformation happened. Martin Luther rises up. And says, hey, I've read the Bible and you can't trick us anymore because we got a copy of your manual on how to live. I don't know why people are so scared of the church. We're stuck. You literally could get the Bible out and say, the Bible says pastors have got to smile three hours a day right here. And pastor, you smile three hours a day or you're going to go to hell, buddy. You can use the, why are you so afraid of me? I have no power or jurisdiction over anybody except the Bible tells me that I do. There's nothing scary about me. You can use the book against me. You can use the book against all of us Christians because we have a moral code. But you know who doesn't have a moral code? People that don't believe in the Bible. You know what's actually more scary than the church? People that make up their own moral code every day, like our laws of our land. Hey, I have an idea. Let's just create an idea of that's moral, that's right and wrong. Hey, you know what? Let's change it. Homosexuality is good. Abusing children's fine. We can make up our own rules. Now, you know, that's actually a lot more scarier. Because if you can make up, if you can make up your own Bible. If you can change the words in it any time you want, uh, that's scary to me because you can call evil good and good evil, but I can't do that because I go according to the word that never changes. I'm trapped in the word. I'm stuck in the word. I do what the word says whether I like it or not. Why are you so scared of the church? We're the only people in the world that submit to the thing and stick to the thing. We don't change. Why are you so afraid of the church? I can't do anything unless my Bible says that I can. You literally should not be afraid of us because you could use that weapon against us. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, if I used the Bible against you, you would just disagree with the interpretation. That might be true. But the Bible is a pattern book, not just a scripture book. And you cannot argue with the patterns of the Bible. And if you were to prove a pattern to me using the entire word of God, I would submit to the doctrine that you would teach if you could prove it to me through the book that I give allegiance to. I don't care who you are. 
I submit to the word, which gives every one of us power if you know the word. You know, it would be good for us to learn the word of God. There is spiritual abuse. There is fear and weakness in the kingdom when there's not a knowledge of the word of God. But you don't have to be afraid if you know the word of God because it's a weapon that you can use whenever you're coming in the church and you're brand new and you're sitting there going, that church might hurt me or abuse me. We can't if we've got scripture. The only way a church is abusive and scary is when it doesn't go along with the word of God. That's it. It's the only way. Because when you study the words of Jesus and the Bible, you find that it's a, it's a wonderful place to live in. It's beautiful, the Word of God, the way Jesus says to treat each other. So don't be scared. Don't be worried. You can tell us if we're wrong and protect yourself with the Bible. Man, I feel so safe today in this place. It feels so safe right now. You know why? Because we have a code that we live by that none of us can fight against. We can't vote right now and change what we believe. We can't have a vote right now and do what we want. We can't start to hurt each other and call it okay because we submit to the sovereign word of God. The church is the only safe place in the entire world. The church is the only place consistent, solid. It's the rock I'm building my life, my family on. I love the church. I'm not afraid of the church. This world scares me. This world's crazy. This world's lost its mind. This world makes up stuff every day. There's 45,000 genders now. I don't even know how to talk to folks anymore. There's pronouns on top of pronouns, and they change their mind every day. Because this world, they've become their own God. They write their Bible, edit their Bible, and change it every day, and it scares me, but the church doesn't scare me. Thank you, Lord. I was just going to teach Bible. I'm really feeling the power of the Holy Ghost right now in this message. I'm feeling like God is breaking and shifting something off of us today, that the church is the best thing in the entire world. I wanted to inspire faith today. That's what I felt today in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Let's talk about some subjects today that people think are so scary. I'll start with the one that, that people, they think it's the hardest one. It's really not, but they think it is, and that's the topic of money. People don't go to church because they say they just ask for my money all the time. Well, every church is different. We know there are some churches that talk about money all the time. There are churches uh, on TV, which is not a church, but there are people that claim to be Christians on TV that say, you know, touch the screen right now, give me a million dollars, I want to buy a jet, and uh, you'll get a you'll get million dollars in the mail next week. And people give money, and the man gets a jet, and nobody gets any money. And so, so we get that everyone is lumped together in the kingdom as being money-hungry people. We get that a few bad apples spoil the whole bunch. And one of the things people don't want to go to church for is they are worried that someone's going to pressure them into giving. But it's not scary to me. And I'm going to explain why. Let me take a few moments to explain why. We have no problem making Starbucks richer for a caffeine fix. 
We have no problem paying full price for a tractor. We have no problem buying things that we think are good for us. No problem. No issues at all. Netflix, mega millions. Hope to God you're not helping support that agenda. It's, it's a problem. We have no problem making Amazon richer, Target richer, Walmart richer, all these things in the world we love. We're happy to do it if they give us something in return. If they give us something of good value, I'll pay it. But if you don't, I won't. And therein lies our problem with giving. You must not be getting enough out of the church if you don't want to give to it. That's as simple as it is. You got, you're smart people. You don't mind giving to something. The problem is we don't want to give to things if we don't think it's worth it. We could try it for a while, not giving, and see if we have a good church. I mean, I, I could probably find a job somewhere. I don't Maybe I work by the Dale. He's hiring, but the Dale's hiring. So, I've learned a lot about air conditioning over the years. I, I think I could sit in an air conditioning room and tell you if it works. I think I could do that. Yep, Brother Dale, this is good. It feels really good. I'm going to go to the next one now and see if that one's. We could try not, not doing it. You know, maybe we could be, get on to something. Maybe we should just never give again and see if the, everything just happen, works great. Now, it's silly, isn't it? You know it's silly. Finance of the kingdom and providing for ministry is completely biblical. From the beginning of time to the church age, people were giving. They were giving material blessing back to God, not just their heart, not just their words, but actual physical things. It's biblical. It's tried and true all through Scripture, giving back to God, giving to fund the kingdom of God. We reference the Old Testament giving, and many will tell us we're not under the law anymore, Pastor. Don't talk about the Old Testament giving. Okay, let's don't talk about the law. Let's talk about before the law. What happened in giving before the law? The first thing that happened with Cain and Abel is they brought offering to God and said, Lord, here, it's yours. Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, very beginning, no rules, just worship. And the first thing the heart of worship did in the very beginning was it took tangible materialism and brought it to God and said, this is not mine, this is yours. You don't want to talk about the law? Let's not talk about the law. In fact, let's just skip right over the Mosaic law because we're not Jews. Okay, that's fine. Before the law, Abraham, a rich man of God, Paid tithes, the Bible says, in Genesis 14 and 18. Before anybody told him to, before there was ever a preacher on TV asking for a jet, before there was ever church, ever law, ever anything, this rich, faithful friend of God decided of his own will to bless and give 10% of his riches to one man. Yeah, it says it right here, Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God, Most High. He was a man of God, a minister. And verse 19, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered all your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. After the blessing came the tithing. 
The minister does the ministry, and the rich man does the 10%. Guess who's more blessed? The rich man walked away richer. People get so upset about giving, but it was always supposed to be from the heart and never supposed to be mandated by law because God doesn't need your money. You need to give it. There is a connection between spiritual blessing and financing the blessers. And if nobody blesses the blessers, the spiritual blessers, then it begins to die. Everyone goes and works at McDonald's. You have your funeral by yourself. You dedicate your babies alone, and we don't reach the world. Our missionaries spend all their time just going and working a job. We don't reach this world without people that God has blessed financially giving to the kingdom. Before I was even working for the church, I was given 10%. My wife was given 10%. And we never asked God where it went. Before we were ever doing anything in ministry, my wife and I were given 10% of what we made, and we barely made anything, and we know exactly what it feels like to barely get by. The majority of our life, we have worked paycheck to paycheck and barely got by, and we gave that 10% and that offering, and God has always provided for us. I don't know about you. I just know that God has always provided for us. I will look at my checkbook and say, there's no way we will make it if we give this 10%. And somehow, every week, we would make it. Somehow, God would take the 90% and he would spread it. And I don't know how he did it, except I was trusting in the Lord. Just recently, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, This is back in in April. I said, Lord, I want to sell my house because the market is super high. And I prayed and I said, God, you know my heart. I will give 10% of the profit from this sale if you will help me sell it for a lot of money. You know what's so cool about God? When you partner with him, he'll give you the extra 10% up front. I said, Lord, I have no problem, even though that's a lot of money. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm happy. I've never been able to write a check this big to the kingdom. I want to write it. And guess what? Uh, Within three hours of listing our home, I had someone on the phone saying, I haven't even seen it. I want it. In fact, just name your price. I'm so sick of not being able to find a house. You know, we talk about these people from California coming to Texas, but this blessed me, okay? This blessed me. (laughs) I mean... I mean, we want to get mad. We want to get mad. But you know what? This actually hooked up a brother. I got to be honest. Look, I can put up with some of this stuff if y'all can just go ahead and bless us a little bit. This guy, this guy works for Tesla. He's a manager. And he, he's living in a trailer. And he said, every time I try to get a house, somebody gets it. So this is back when it was hot. I mean, it was crazy around here. And it's just when you follow the Holy Ghost, God tells you when to sell, when to build, when to buy. The Lord, he, he gives you more than money. He gives you knowledge. And so we sold at the peak. And let's have, let's have a moment of silence for that man because his house just dropped bad in value after he paid for it. Let's just have a moment of silence because everybody overpaid for their houses back in April and May, apparently, as of right now. And so, so he gave top dollar, and the Lord blessed us. And after five years of living there, we sold that house for more than double what we paid for it. 
We worked on it. We put some love into it, a lot of tears and a lot of prayer meetings in it. And God anointed and blessed. And guess what? I wrote the biggest tithing check I've ever written. I fulfilled what I told the Lord I would do. And, and just in case you're wondering, when I give that extra tithing like that, it does not go to me. It doesn't go to our ministry. When I give the extra like that, it goes straight to the church funds used for ministry, revival, painting walls, our children. It goes to the kingdom. It doesn't go to me. That's silly. To pay. I can't pay myself tithes. I'm saying that to tell you that we lead the way in giving. That it's hypocritical for us to receive of tithing and not give. And so I am willing to lead the way, and we've always led the way. From the lowest income to the highest income at AFC, we believe in the same principle, and we all give the same when we give tithing. You want to talk about equality? Let's all pay 10%. I just can't believe we don't have equality. We can if you'll all give 10%. Some of y'all give six. You know, it feels really good to know that everybody's on the same team. And it feels really bad to know that others are cheating. Yeah. Let's talk about equality. If you're a millionaire, it's just 10%. If you're barely getting by, it's just 10%. This is why I love percentage, because it doesn't matter. We're all equal in this, y'all. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all getting through differently. Some of y'all paid your dues and you're making good money. Some of y'all slept in. You're not making as much. We all are in different places. God knows what we need and what we can handle. No one's better than the other, but we all make different things. And guess what? We all give the same percent. This whole thing about it's not fair, it's not fair, it's percentage. We all give the same percent. There's people that don't have a lot of money in our church, and they say, Pastor, it's just tough for me. It's a percentage. You're never going to write a big tithe check and never going to have big money if you can't do it on the small. Never. You, You don't understand. I've written checks of 100, and I've written checks much more. It's harder to write the big check. I don't care how much money you've got. It's hard to write the big check because you think of all the things you could do. Skydive. Take a cruise. Yeah. Oh, you can give a little every night, but when you write a big check, it's like, oh, I could have paid off my car. You start thinking of all those things you could do. Yeah, we believe here at AFC that tithing is just the beginning of giving, and it's not scary because it's a percentage of what God gives us. Yeah, so giving is common sense. A few more notes here, and I've got a couple more I want to give you. Giving is just common sense. Uh, not giving to something, it will cause it to die. It will. It's a proven fact that there's not one church that lacks in giving that is growing in ministry. Not one. There's not one church that has zero money that's growing in ministry right now. Go find them. There's not one. There's not one church model out there of people who do not give financially and the church is doing well. Go find them. It's impossible. Where there is not money flowing, there is no church growing. It's a proven fact. It's never been done. It will never be done. In the New Testament, during the church age, we don't see the tithing model of only of giving a minority of our funds, like 10%. 
But here's what we see in the New Testament church. We see people selling assets and materialism and giving it to the church leadership so that the gospel could be spread. Remember how Jesus thought that we go beyond the law, that we exceed the law, that we fulfill, he fulfilled the law? The Old Testament, they could, they could take 10%, give it to God, and just go blow the 90, whatever they want to do. But now we realize it's all God's. That if the Lord whispers and says, give me more, we say, yes, Lord. This is why in the church, in the New Testament, they didn't just give their 10% anymore, but they began to feel an overwhelming desire to give everything that they could to fund the kingdom. We're not there yet in the church, but I believe before the Lord comes back, we will all be there. All of us. We're not quite ready for that revival yet where we're selling stuff, but it's coming soon, church. I felt it last night deep in prayer. I almost preached about the end time, but I, I think that's more for me and not for you yet. But I felt it deep in prayer last night. The Lord was speaking to me about how things are going to shift quickly in the last day, church, and all the ways we've been doing church are going to change. I'm going to tell you, I'll just prophesy right now, the days of tithing will come to an end. It's going to be literally selling everything we can to fund the last day revival. And I won't have to beg, and I won't even tell you to do it. It's going to be from your heart. You're going to get something in your spirit that says, if we don't do this now, we'll never get it done. And you will feel something come over you that says, enough of the world, enough of my stuff. What is just this stuff? It's nothing compared to eternity. I know you're not there yet. I know you're scared that I'm talking that way, but it's going to happen fast. It's going to happen in the last days. Uh huh. I know. Think about it. The kids are just thinking about it already. Like what? I can't even get no car one day. I turned sixteen. But you know what the real the real fear is with giving. My last part. The fear that it won't be spent wisely when I give it. That's the real fear. The real fear is when I give it, what will be done with it? That's the real fear. Yep. All I can say to that is my wife and I for the past 20 years of ministry have proven to be kingdom first. We're not new at this. We didn't just show up here. We've proven to be all in kingdom first. Right now we're building a home. It's wonderful. God's hooked us up and blessed us. I don't think we're going to get to keep it. I feel like in the last days, we're all going to be looking at what we have gained and built, and we'll be thinking, you know what? God, you only gave this to me because you wanted to use it later for something greater. So we're kingdom first. We know it is not the will of God. Listen to me. This is important for people who are scared of church. Some of you are scared. We know, my wife and I, that it's not the will of God for church leadership to get rich from church giving. I know it. It would be a sin. It would be wrong. I believe it. I believe I would probably go to hell. I kid you not. It is absolutely wrong to take the holy giving money of God and be rich from it. If my wife and I need to make extra for some investment, we'll do that separately, independently. But I believe it's wrong. I do. And that is our stance on it. Lastly, we only give at AFC according to our hearts. 
And if you don't want to give here at AFC, don't. God will make up your lack with somebody else. If you don't want to do it, I love you. I pray for you. You don't have to. Go ahead and come to church here. You don't trust us yet. You don't trust God yet. But hopefully in time you will. Don't. I would rather go find a secular job than beg you to give. Because if we're going to beg people to give, we're all messed up. There's no revival coming. There's no faith coming. So at this church, everybody say, fear not. You don't have to give. You don't want to give. If that's what you want to do. Hypocrites. I didn't mean to transition like that. Sorry. That's number two. <laughs> Got a little more pause, a little bit dot, dot, dot. Number two, hypocrites. Hey, I don't know. I'm glad that worship team had a good set this morning because they're going to have the needed to bail all this out. That's why I want to go say, let me hurry through. Right, a couple more. People say, I don't go to church because of hypocrites. But number one, Matthew 6 and 5, Jesus will call out the hypocrites. Matthew 6 and 5, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Yes, the church has religious people mixed in with the true believers, but the more of the Bible you teach at your church, the less the hypocrites get a voice. We are not for hypocrites at the church. Even though the church draws them in, the word tries to fix them. The word tries to rebuke them. I know you've met hypocrites at the church, but Jesus is not for hypocrites. By the way, if you don't like hypocrites, don't go to the mall, don't go to bars, don't go to dance clubs, don't go to concerts, don't go to work dinner parties, don't go to family get-togethers anymore. And, mo and most importantly, don't go to hell. Because that's where they're all going to be. You know, the church is the only hope for the hypocrite. Don't you dare, don't you be scared one minute come to church. Guess what? I've got authority with the word of God that that hypocritical spirit can be fixed, repaired, or leave. You can come here knowing that it doesn't fly here, that they may have to hide or sneak, but it's not welcome here. This is the safest place in the world. Do not be afraid of the church because we have answers to every problem. Number three, I'm going to go ahead and say number three so I don't scare you because I was going to say judgmental. I don't want to go to church. People are judgmental at church. Have you heard that before? We all hear it. If you have social media, you hear it. Don't judge. Don't judge. I don't want to go to church because people are judgmental at church. Everybody's judging me. Everybody's looking at me sideways. Preacher always preaching stuff about how i got to change my life. I don't want to go to church. I, don't want, I ain't got time for that. I'm just over all that. I'm sick of that. i got enough to deal with. Go to church. Everybody looking down at me like I'm not good enough. That's one of the reasons people are scared of church. We are taught in the Bible about being judgmental. We've got answers for that topic. Luke 6.37, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Jesus taught this. If you judge everybody, they're going to just judge you right back. It's just not wise to go around telling everybody what's wrong with them all the time. Because if you go around telling everybody what's wrong with them, they're going to come tell you what's wrong with you. 
back in the hood, I come from the hood, the neighborhood. Um, yeah, we used to say, if you, if, you, if you can't take it, don't dish it. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the message version. If you go around judging people in the church, guess what? Don't be surprised when they judge you back. So what he's saying here is not just don't ever talk to anybody about their problems. He's saying make sure if you open up to someone, you let them come back and help you. You can't be like you're going to take this and, and you can't ever say something back. It's, it's back and forth, collaborative. It's the kingdom. We love each other. We help each other. So here's, here's the truth. I don't think we're as judgmental as we are brutally honest. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we just tell too much truth, if that's a thing. Where have you been last night? You smell like smoke. Why are your eyes so baggy? Hmm? That's kind of tight, isn't it? Yeah. We're just brutally honest. Is it that we hate you? Or is it that we care and we're just kind of bad at showing it? Are we really that mean in church? I don't think so. I think we're like kids who say the dumbest things, but it's true. Like, ask me, be like, you're fat. I got to go play. <laughs> hey, bro, I'm going to whoop you when we get home so bad because that was so embarrassing. You just run someone's life for the next two years. <laughs> Kids, immaturity has a way. Oh, thank God he's asleep. Immaturity, immaturity has a way of telling the truth without any tact or love. I do not think the church is judgmental. I think that we don't know how to say the truth in love. This is why... The Bible talks about this in Ephesians 4 and 11, 12, 13, that he gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to edify the body of Christ. Why? So that we'll all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says this is the mission for all this truth in the church is to help you grow up. The reason you came to church was to get the truth. The reason you came today is to get the truth. You think we're judging you. We're not judging you. We thought you wanted to grow up. I'm sorry if we offend you when you come to church. We thought you were broken and wanted healing. I didn't want to hurt you when you came here today. I thought you knew you was a sinner and you need to have a Savior. I thought you came to church today because you wanted out of that old life and you wanted a new life. And if you don't, I'm going to offend you. The people that are offended by church, watch it online because they're not ready to change. They're the ones that are mad. You know who the ones that are picking apart churches online and making bad, ugly comments in the section of the comments? It's because they're not wanting change. And it's the people that don't want to change that are most mad about church, calling us judging. But anybody who's ever had a problem, anybody who ever need rescuing, you don't critique the rescuers when your car is on fire. When the road is flooded, you don't care how they treat you. You just want out. And the only people in the church or outside the church that are calling us judgmental are people that are not in need of rescuing. Have you all noticed how when people, 
Our people are really mean in life. They don't need anything from you because they're good. But then one day they wake up and they need everything from you and they start acting real nice all of a sudden. Kind of like a waiter that wants a good tip. You're like, oh, they're so nice. They want your money. That waiter was so kind. I'm going to go ahead and give an extra 20. You just got suckered in so bad. They were working for that money. I think it's so interesting how people that are the worst of the worst, they come up to the church, and you just know, like, you just know they've just been up to some stuff. It's amazing. Now, sir, sir, brother, sir, they don't know what to call you. you know, they just say, Reverend, sir, bishop, sir, I love God and you, and I'm asking for money today so that I can feed children in Africa. And I just need you, I love everyone. I'm just, I, I go to church all the time. Oh, who's your pastor? Uh, well, I forgot his name. But I go to church every, I pray every day. It's amazing how the worst thugs can turn respect on when they need something from you. It's amazing how we act when we need help. And it's amazing how nasty we are when we don't. I don't think the church is judgmental. I think you don't need help. Because to those of you who came in broken that we've helped, you don't think we're judgmental, do you? You think we're the most loving people in all the world. So you know what? I'm not afraid of the church because I don't think the church is judgmental. I just think that we tell a lot of truth around here, and sometimes it hurts people's feelings. So you know what? Let's don't change the fact that we, we preach the truth. Let's change the fact that sometimes we don't love each other enough. Because you can say anything you want when you love somebody. One of the best things for us to do in the church is just to be quiet until we love somebody. But they need to change. They ain't going to listen to you. Be quiet. But they're not praying, and I feel like I need to go tell them, if you don't love them, don't talk to them about what they need to change. You can't have a spirit of judgmentalism coming to a church when there's love. The only way that truth survives in a church is through love. And any church that does not have love does not keep truth. But we got to be a truth church to set people free. Love alone doesn't set people free. Truth sets people free. But you can't receive truth if you don't love. And I'm telling you right now that the church is not a scary place. Nope. Last one, and then... We're going to go ahead and throw down and worship. There are rules to follow at church, and that's why I don't like church. Okay. Kind of, yeah, maybe. John 14 and 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Look, look what he said. If you love me, you don't have to do anything if you don't love me. It's kind of like making sense, like, if you love me, marry me. If you don't, please don't. If you love me, take me on dates. If you love me, buy me flowers. If you love me, well, now I've been married for a while. If you love me, do the dishes. That's things transition quickly. If you love me, rub my feet. If you love me, tell me I'm pretty. If you love me, you know, that, that it all changes. But if you love me, then you will follow through with what you know I want you to do. You don't have to do anything if you don't love God. Are we really a rule people, or are we just so in love with Jesus uh, that we're looking for ways to please him? We want lists and lists, and we don't care what you want to call it. We just love him so much. Uh, we got a list of things we try to do to please him. So maybe you call them rules. I call it love. 
You see the commandment, I see the love. You see all the rules and regulations, you don't see the love I have for God. John 16, 12, still, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. There's even going to be things the spirit tells you to do when you get the Holy Ghost, and you, I don't call those rules. I call that being led by the spirit. Oh, that, that poor guy right there, he's not allowed to go down to the movie theater. His church preaches against that. No, the Spirit won't let me. I tried to go. It's like, no. No, Lord, Lord doesn't want me to do that. Oh, I, I don't believe in that. I believe you can do whatever you want when you're in love. Try that with your, with your wife, okay? Try that. Oh, I believe if you have a, I believe if your marriage is solid, you can flirt with whoever you want. No, it's the opposite. That's a lie from the devil. The most loving church in the world has the most commandments they choose to go by. Because there's a connection between our love for God and the rules, the holiness, the righteousness. Yeah. Hebrews 13 and 17, obey those who rule over you. There, there's that word rule, I'm talking about rules. Be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do it with joy and not with grief. That will be unprofitable for you. But then Peter adds later that shepherds or local pastors, they're not supposed to lord over the people like masters over a slave. And First Peter 5 and 1, he says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow, a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as an overseer seer, someone who just watches out for them, not by compulsion, but willingly from the heart, not for dishonest gain, not because of you, not about you, but because of them, but do it eagerly, nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. I'm so worried about going to church because that pastor is going to tell me what to do. I can't make you do anything. What are you talking about? I can't make you do, I'm not going to make you do anything. Well, if he's my pastor, that means when he says jump three times, i got to jump. You wouldn't be here if you knew I was that way. You wouldn't submit to me if you know I was that ignorant to tell you to jump three times on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. You, you wouldn't be here. That's why the Bible says if someone has the rule over you, then listen to them. And that's what the Bible says if you have the rule over someone, don't boss them around like you are God but be an example to them. As a local pastor and authority over the members of this church, I don't punish people. So tell everybody out there, we don't roll like that at AFC. I'm scared to go to the church because I might get in trouble. He might call me out from the pulpit. He might hurt me, damage me. I don't like having to listen to another man. I understand. I don't either. But I do it anyway. I got you. But listen, in the kingdom of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid of anybody. Anyone that's a real man of God, you never be afraid of them. Only be afraid of the fake ones. But you never are afraid of real men of God. Because real men of God are not going to hurt you. Even though it might hurt, it's best for you. 
So what's the purpose of the pastor? It's not to punish you. It's to give examples and guide you. It's to give warnings because we assume you want to go the same direction as us. And lastly, for those of you that are not big on the rules, the Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. There's a rule book right here in my heart. I can't even pull it out and write it all down because the rule book in my heart comes from the spirit that I have, and it gives me new ones every second of the day. I can't find a scripture for everything I do because the scriptures been tied to my heart. I can't tell you why I do what I do sometimes because the Lord will write them on my heart. I'm so scared of the rules. Don't be afraid of the rules. The only thing you'll live by is the thing that God put in your heart. In my closing today, our praise singers can go ahead and start stretching their legs. I don't want you pulling a muscle. Maybe stretch your pants too. I don't want you breaking them. Lord, help the tight pant generation. little side note there. We used to preach modesty for the ladies, but we got to start preaching modesty for the dudes these days, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, the scariest thing, I haven't even mentioned it, I know y'all thought money was probably the scary one or going by rules or hypocrites or you thought so far we've, we've talked about some scary stuff. But you know the scariest thing to most people is none of the things I've mentioned to you. So if you, if you started to kind of tune out, please turn back in now because this is so important because the scariest thing, the real issue we have with going to church is none of that. The real issue, the scariest thing to most people is when we begin to explain to people there's only one God. There's only one master, only one maker, only one creator, only one in charge. The scariest thing to most of the people in the world is that when they come into the atmosphere of the church, there is a dominion and power that they can't be in charge anymore. There's a God that is bigger, greater, stronger, and people that love themselves cannot stand the doctrine of a God that's in charge and a man that's not. I'm going to tell you right now in the Holy Ghost what people are most afraid of, and that is being abused by a master. That's the number one problem people have with going to church is they know that they can't live how they want anymore. That they are bought with a price. That now he is Lord of all. He tells me where to go. He tells me how much money to give. He tells me whether to buy a boat or sell a boat. Some of y'all felt it right I said that. He tells you who to marry. Tells you whether to get married or not. 
It tells you all these things that you don't want to do, and that's the scariest thing is not me, and the scariest thing is not the people in the church. The scariest thing to people is that you can't be your boss anymore. Because you know what happens when you begin to come in here and submit to God is you've got to give up your life. And that's the scariest thing that you'll ever face is letting yourself die so that you can live through Christ. But I just got to close the day and tell you, he's been better than good to me. The last thing I'm afraid of in the church is Jesus. The last thing I'm afraid of is submitting to him. Every single day I give my life to Jesus, it's better. It's better. It's always better. Somebody testify right now that there's nothing scary about giving your life to the Lord. There's nothing scary about submitting yourself to Jesus. There's nothing scary about saying, Lord, I'm all yours. Control me. Use me. Speak to me. He's a good father. Hey, y'all, the church has problems. The pastors have problems. But Jesus is perfect. But Jesus is worthy. Don't be afraid of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand today in this house. Is the worship team ready? Thank you, Lord. Our God is so good. My God was trying to bless me when I was messing up. My God was, Chris, God loved us while we were stupid and doing dumb things. He was trying to put us with people like, like you're with Jamie. And he was trying to bless you while we were being ignorant and we were being stupid. Our God was trying to bless us the entire time. And we had no idea that he was so good to us. You think I'm going to let fear get in my heart right now? You think I'm going to have any fear on this Halloween season? I fear nothing. With God on my side, I fear nothing. My God's not trying to beat me up. My God's not trying to hurt me. He died on the cross for me. He loves me. I'm not afraid of one thing today. I feel blessed. I love the church. I love the kingdom. I love everything about it. I refuse to be afraid today of Jesus and the church. Praise the Lord. Let's have the ushers come. High five your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to worship God. Woo. We're going to have altar call and worship at the same time. You're going to be able to worship God until your hair falls out. Some of you already done it. To, that's it. To, you're going to be able to get the blessing of God. We're going to be able to pray with each other and be free in the Holy Ghost before we leave today. Don't leave yet. We're just getting warmed up for the power and the move of God. The Word of God has gone forth, and now there is liberty and victory. There's a foundation to worship on.